Get Sleepy is a production of Slumber Studios and is made possible thanks to the generous support of our sponsors and premium members. If you'd like to listen ad-free and access weekly bonus episodes, extra long stories, and our entire back catalogue, you can try out Premium free for seven days by following the link in the episode notes. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Get Sleepy, where we listen, we relax, and we get sleepy. Thank you so much for being here. My name's Thomas, and I'm your host. Tonight's story will be read by Abby, and it's a continuation of a series we began a fair while back. The first was called Mythology of the Moon, and the second was called Star Law. This third installment is all about the great shining orb that is key to everything we know here on planet Earth. From celestial chariots to powerful deities, the sun has inspired countless stories in cultures across the world. So as you drift off to sleep tonight, you'll discover a few of these dreamy tales, including ones from New Zealand and Japan. All three of these mythology stories about our skies were written by Alexandra, and you'll be able to hear a long-length stitch of them all this Friday on the premium feed. And speaking of which, Get Sleepy Premium is the very best way to listen to the show. As a premium supporter, you'll have access to our entire catalogue, which is well over 650 episodes. There are tons of extra long stories and series stitches, like the one coming up on Friday, which our premium supporters absolutely love. And perhaps the best thing about Premium... It's all completely ad-free. Thursday nights are extra special because that's when we release our weekly premium bonus episodes. Like tomorrow, when we have a sweet story I'll be reading about a mother and daughter who share a love of singing. They've just moved to a new home in Yorkshire and an unexpected discovery awaits them. The first seven days of your premium subscription are free, and you can cancel any time. So why not give it a try and enjoy the best rest you can get? 
For more information on all of our plans, visit getsleepy.com support or just follow the link in the show notes. Thank you all so much for your support. Now then, make sure you're feeling relaxed and comfortable wherever you are right now. Take a moment to find the perfect position. Then close your eyes and draw a deep breath in through your nose. and back out through your mouth. Try to make the exhale slightly longer than the inhale. This will help you to relax even more. Again, breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. If you like, take a few more slow, deep breaths, just like this. And when you're ready, you can return to your natural rhythm. Now, imagine that you can feel the sun on your face. It's a pleasant, gentle warmth. As the warm sensation spreads across your skin, you feel your face soften and relax. Let it happen without resistance. Relax your forehead your eyes, your cheeks, and your mouth and jaw. This sense of relaxation will gradually spread through the rest of your body, guiding you towards a deep sleep. It's just a matter of time. But for now, I'll hand over to Abby as we begin our story. You're standing on a beautiful rooftop terrace. The sun is shining brightly and the faded orange tiles beneath your feet seem to radiate warmth. Your skin tingles in the heat and your muscles feel loose and relaxed. As you stand here bathing in the sunlight, a feeling of sleepy relaxation flows through you. 
It's like a warm shower, starting at the top of your head and spreading slowly through your body. It would be nice to sit down, you think, and rest for a while. You walk slowly across the terrace, which is lined with aloes, palms and other potted plants. On the other side, there's a large awning with some furniture underneath, including a table and chairs. You step into the shade of the awning. The contrast feels wonderful, like entering the cool water of a swimming pool. You're about to sit down when you notice something on the table. A large hardback book. It looks old and time-weathered. You pull the book towards you and sit down on one of the cushioned chairs. There's no title on the cover and no name. Just a painting of a golden sun, its rays spiralling outward. As you brush your fingers over the cover, you realise that it's textured. The outline of the sun is slightly raised and you can feel the bumpy edges. You slowly trace a finger around the circumference of the sun and then each ray in turn. It's so soothing, like a kind of tactile hypnosis. Your finger moves automatically round and round. Then you decide to lift the cover. You're curious about the contents of this mysterious book. The pages are thick and have a familiar musty scent that reminds you of the library. As you turn them carefully, you find other images of the sun. One depicts an amber sun being pulled through the sky by a chariot. At the front are several majestic golden horses with fiery manes. Another image shows the Egyptian god Ra, who has the head of a falcon. Just above him is a red orb that represents the sun. This must be a book about sun mythology, you realise. These are representations of the sun and sun gods in different cultures. You'd like to know more, so you turn back to the beginning of the book. Skimming over the introduction, you see that it's an overview of sun myths across the world. The sun shines on us all, says the book. It always has, long before humanity came into existence, and it will continue to shine for billions of years to come. Our ancestors saw the sun as a godlike force, influencing every aspect of life on Earth. Thanks to the sun, we have planets, seasons, light and warmth. So it's no wonder that there are solar deities in just about every culture. In ancient Egypt, Ra was the most powerful of all gods. The sun god ruled over the universe he had created. 
Similarly, in ancient Mesopotamia, an area that includes modern-day Iraq, the solar deity Yutu was believed to watch over the world. He was responsible for divine justice. There are similar sun gods in other cultures too, who are often associated with creation, power, order and light. These beliefs are reflected in the many myths about the sun, which come from all over the world. Folklore explains why there is day and night, or how the sun came to be. Ancient civilizations also speculated about the movement of the sun. Back then, the sun's journey across the sky must have seemed magical. There was only one way to explain it. A vehicle or vessel of some kind. A common element in myths and artworks is the sun travelling across the sky in a vessel. Neolithic rock carvings are believed to depict the sun in a boat. Solar barges also appear in Bronze Age artefacts across Europe and in Egyptian myths. In other cultures, the sun was believed to travel in a horse-drawn chariot. The Hindu sun god Surya is one example. The Greek gods Helios and Apollo also crossed the sky in golden chariots. In one famous myth, Helios allows his son to borrow his chariot for the day, but the young man drives it too close to the earth, scorching the land and creating deserts in Africa. After reading this, you look up from the book for a moment and let the information sink in. Already you're starting to understand the significance of sun myths. In the days before scientific discoveries, people used myths to make sense of the world around them. And it's amazing, you think. There are common elements in these stories, even though they come from such different, distant cultures. From Egypt to Scandinavia, people looked up at the sun and imagined it travelling in a boat. You'd like to learn more about these myths, but there are hundreds of pages in this book and so many fascinating stories to choose from. You're not sure where to begin. After pondering for a moment, you decide to let the book choose for you. You close it with a soft thud, then let the book fall open again on a random page. The title of the story is The Slowing of the Sun. It's a Maori myth from New Zealand. Years and years ago, The days were short. People would wake up at sunrise and rush to start their daily tasks. The fishermen hurried to their boats at the first hint of light. They had to make the most of the sunlight while it lasted. Often, by the time the fishermen returned to shore, the sun was already setting. The day was over. 
and all too soon, everyone was back in bed, eagerly awaiting the next sunrise. One night, a young man named Maui lay awake in bed. He'd had the most wonderful day, roaming the land and swimming in the sea with his brothers. If only it had lasted longer. Maui drifted in and out of sleep, his thoughts of the sun merging into dreams of the moon and stars. Through the open window came the sounds of the ocean waves, the night breeze moving through the trees, and at last the dawn chorus of the birds. As Maui gradually woke up, his heart full of gratitude for the new day. An idea came to him. He looked out of the window and saw the sky slowly filling with golden light, and he smiled to himself. That morning, he called his brothers for a meeting. Just like everyone else, they too wished for longer days and often grumbled about the early sunset. Maui knew his brothers would be willing to help him. I have an idea, he told them, a way to slow the sun. His brothers laughed, but they were curious too, so they let him continue. The sun was alive, said Maui. He was a living spirit, a god who moved between the underworld and the sky. So, in a way, he was just like other living creatures. If a bird could be hunted and a lizard could be trapped in a net, so too could the sun. All they needed to do was make a net, the biggest, strongest net ever created. Then they would have to wait patiently, just like hunters, and choose their moment. Sunrise would be best, said Maui. At dawn, the sun was still close to the earth, so he would be easier to catch. And what then? asked one of the brothers. Let's say we catch the sun, and we have him in our net. What next? Maui smiled and told him not to worry. He would find a way to slow the sun. The others were still a little sceptical, but they knew their brother well. He was clever and full of tricks. If anyone was capable of capturing and taming the sun, it would be him. Right away, Maui and his brothers began to work on the net, weaving it out of flax. They worked in the sunlight, then by the flame of the campfire pausing only to eat and sleep. Sometimes they were helped by others in the village. They would sit together in a huge circle, weaving and weaving until their hands grew tired and their eyelids heavy. The others were mystified. They couldn't understand why Maui was making such an enormous net. Perhaps, they thought, He planned to catch all the fish of the sea at once so they could have a big feast. Whatever the reason, they trusted him. 
Maui always used his cunning for good, and he had helped the community so many times. After a week of hard work, the net was complete. It was enormous, and the ropes were thick and strong, but it was surprisingly light. Together, Maui and his brothers were able to carry it easily. That night, they chanted a prayer of protection and then set off, with Maui leading the way. The plan was to head east to the sun's resting place and to catch him as soon as he awoke. The group of men walked slowly across the moonlit fields, carrying the net. Some of the ropes trailed over the ground, rustling softly as they brushed through the grass. Listening to this soothing, almost hypnotic sound, Maui was lulled into a state of calm. Despite the challenge ahead, he felt relaxed and confident. Besides, he had a secret weapon. When the brothers arrived at the cave in the east, the sky was still dark and spangled with stars. The cave was known to be the entrance to the underworld. Somewhere deep inside, the sun was fast asleep, but not for much longer. The brothers followed Maui's orders. After painting their skin with clay to protect themselves from the heat of the sun, the men got into position around the entrance to the cave. They each held a part of the net, grasping the ropes tightly in their hands. When I give the order, said Maui, throw the net. His brothers nodded. They stood by the cave, waiting for the first hint of light or the first sensation of warmth. The sky was still pitch black. They waited and waited. And then Maui felt it. The humid night air was becoming warmer and warmer. He could feel the prickle of heat, first on his hands, then spreading up his arms. Peering into the darkness of the cave, he could now detect the light. It was getting brighter, changing from pale yellow to amber, and then to a fiery gold. At last, the sun appeared at the cave's entrance. He moved slowly, as he was still very sleepy, having just woken up. Now, said Maui. Moving in unison, he and his brothers threw the net swiftly with all their strength. It covered the sun completely. In his confused, sleepy state, the sun twisted and turned, trying to free himself from the net. 
the brothers held on tightly to the ropes as Maori tried to reason with the sun. He begged him to move more slowly in the sky, to give the people on earth more daylight. But the sun wouldn't listen. He continued to struggle in the net, moving from side to side. Maui's brothers urged him to do something. Their arms were tired and they were dripping in sweat. They couldn't hold on for much longer. So Maui reached into his pocket and took out his secret weapon, a jawbone. It had belonged to one of his ancestors and it was filled with ancient magic. There was no stronger weapon in the world. Maui lifted the jawbone high above his head, then brought it crashing down on the sun. One blow was enough. Dazed, the sun stopped moving. The men breathed a collective sigh of relief and loosened their grip on the net. Once the sun had recovered, he agreed to listen to Maui, and in the end, the young man convinced him. From now on, the sun would slow down. People would have enough daylight to do all their work and still have time left over. Maui and his brothers returned home as heroes, and when they got back, they still had hours of golden sunlight to look forward to. At the end of the tale, you look up from the page. You give yourself a moment to let the story sink in. Like many other myths, it is a story about the power of the sun and its influence on our lives. But amazingly, Maui takes on the sun and wins. Perhaps this myth reveals a fantasy, our desire to control the elements. What could be more magical than that? As you start to turn the pages once more, you find yourself slipping into a relaxed, dreamy state. There's a sun lounger on the terrace, half in the sun, half in the shade. Maybe you'll take a nap there later. But you'd like to continue reading for just a little longer. One more myth, you decide. Towards the back of the book, a colourful page catches your attention. It's a beautiful Japanese painting of a woman with long black hair. She wears a flowing pink robe and all around her head are shining rays of gold like a halo. You wonder if she's a goddess. Then you notice the caption beneath the painting. In small print, it says, Amaterasu, 
the goddess of the sun and a major deity in the Shinto religion. Turning the page, you realise that there's a myth about this goddess entitled Amaterasu and the Cave. You begin to read. Amaterasu was the goddess of the sun. She ruled over a realm in the clouds above the sea. Known as the High Celestial Plain, it was the home to many gods and spirits. The goddess lived a peaceful existence, watching over heaven and earth. But every now and then, her peace was disturbed by her little brother, the Storm God. He loved to play tricks on her and to find new ways to tease her. One day, he went too far. After yet another prank, the goddess decided she'd had enough of her brother's behaviour. She left the palace and walked through the heavens until she reached a cave deep in the woods. It was a place she knew well as she used to play there as a child. At last, she said to herself, some peace and quiet. Her brother would never find her here. Once she was inside, she used an enormous boulder to seal up the cave entrance. Then she settled down to rest, making herself comfortable on the mossy ground. The cave wasn't completely dark, as the goddess shone with her own light, but it was just dark and quiet enough to make her feel drowsy. She soon drifted off, sinking into a well-deserved sleep. But while the goddess slept, the rest of the world remained awake. Where had the sun gone? Without the goddess to light up the days, Gods and humans lived in perpetual night. Crops withered, and no one left the house without a lantern in case they bumped into a night spirit. All kinds of strange creatures had come out of their hiding places. Up in the clouds, the gods were concerned. They had a meeting at court to decide what to do about the missing sun goddess. Firstly, they all agreed that the goddess's brother should be banished from the heavens, at least for a little while until he had learned his lesson. He was to blame for the sun's disappearance. The storm god usually sulked whenever he was told off, but this time, he surprised the Council of Gods. He bowed deeply and apologised. Although he didn't know how to bring back the sunlight, he might be able to help. He told the gods that his sister was probably in the forest cave. It was her favourite hiding place back when they were children. The sun goddess didn't know that he knew about the cave, but he had done his best to discover all her secrets. The other gods tutted in disapproval. 
It was no wonder that the brother and sister were always squabbling. Still, they were grateful to the storm god for this piece of information. It was a start, at least. They set off at once. The procession of gods walked through the darkened heavens, carrying golden lanterns to light the way. They entered the forest, summoning fireflies for extra light, and followed the directions the storm god had given them. A silver stream twisted this way and that until it disappeared into the clouds below. And just beyond was a cave, sealed by a boulder. This must be the place. One of the gods called her name. Amaterasu, are you there? There was no reply from within the cave. But then, another god pointed to a crack between the boulder and the cave entrance. A sliver of golden light was just visible, emanating from within. The sun goddess must be inside. The gods discussed what to do next. They knew she could be stubborn, but maybe there was a way to tempt her out. The god of wisdom had an idea. There was something the sun goddess couldn't resist. A party. And he'd thought of a trick that just might work. So the gods decorated the trees with sparkling jewels and hanging lanterns and placed a splendid mirror in front of the cave. The goddess of laughter began to dance and the others all joined in, spinning and swaying through the trees, while heavenly music filled the air. Inside the cave, the sun goddess began to stir. She rubbed her eyes sleepily, wondering what was going on outside. The forest was usually so quiet, with no sounds apart from crickets and birdsong. Where was the music coming from? She knew it might be another one of her brother's tricks, but the music was irresistible. She could hear divine flutes and strings mixed with song and laughter. The sun goddess got up and slowly moved the boulder away from the entrance so she could peer outside. And, to her astonishment, she found herself staring at a goddess, a beautiful woman who looked just like her, radiating light. The sun goddess was hypnotised by her own reflection, but then, all of a sudden, she was pulled away from the mirror and away from the cave. She found herself in sunlit woods, surrounded by gods in colourful costumes. 
While one of them sealed the cave's entrance, the others cheered, rejoicing at the return of the sun goddess. At last, the long night was over. The gods continued their party, singing and dancing through the trees. And as the goddess danced among them, heaven and earth were showered in sunlight. After reading the final lines of the story, you smile to yourself and close the book. What a beautiful myth, you think. And just like the story of Maui, it's a tale of tricking the sun. Again, you find yourself reflecting on these remarkable similarities between stories from different parts of the world. You'd like to read more and think about what it all means. But right now, you're ready to take a break. The chair you're sitting on is comfy, but the sun lounger a few feet away looks even comfier. After reading stories about the sun, this is the perfect place to be, you think, relaxing on a sunny terrace. You walk towards the sun lounger and move it slightly so there's just the right amount of shade. Then you lie down, stretching out and making yourself comfortable. The material of the lounger supports your body completely and your neck and head are so relaxed. It feels as though your whole body is warmed by the sun. But at the same time, you're also protected by the shade of the awning. You let out a deep, contented sigh and close your eyes. You're vaguely aware of the sunlight behind your eyelids. It's like a soft amber glow relaxing you further and lulling you into sleep. And just moments later, you feel yourself drifting off into golden dreams.